Welcome to another episode of Chan with the Plan, the podcast. I'm your host, Max Chan. If you're currently at a career crossroads, or you're currently stuck in your career and want to transition to something that's more fulfilling, I got a guest that is going to discuss with us today a career path that is both fun and lucrative. His name is Justin Ducks, and he's a Salesforce administrator for Be The Match, a company saving lives by matching unrelated donors to cellular therapies. He's here to tell us about the career paths available to people who want to break into technology without a tech background. And this is where Salesforce comes into play. Outside of his nine to five, Justin is a podcast host, mock interview coach, and former sales professional. He served his time as a people person, and now this reformed extrovert is ready to explain why career and customer relationship management is worth it for others. In addition, he recently linked up with the Talent Stacker Career Development Program to be the mock interview coach for people aspiring to break into this lucrative career in Salesforce. Now let's get into my discussion with Justin on growing your career as a Salesforce administrator. How things have changed. You invited me to your podcast on Career Cloud. I think in November, and that was actually the very first podcast I've ever been on. And then a few months down the road, I end up getting my, I end up starting my own podcast and then upgrading my uh, microphone as well. I think people should be go- all making a podcast these days. It's uh, a lot of fun uh, while we're all sheltered in place. And it's, it's, it's just a great way to talk to people. That's really what I do. <laughs> yeah, like it's a great networking tool because if you just message someone and say, hey, can I pick your brain? You might not get a good response, but you say, hey, I have this podcast and I think the insights that you could share could be very beneficial to my audience. I was hoping to get like a quick chat with you, right? And they're more receptive that way in terms of the networking oh, aspect. A hundred right? times, a hundred times more receptive. Like it, you can just picture it at like a business conference or something. And you're, you know, picture it's like an a, accounting conference, right? Like everyone's like, yeah, you work in accounting and I don't really want to talk about more accounting, right? You know, but like you, you get some more d'oeuvres, you grab a drink and you say to somebody, oh yeah, I got an accounting podcast. Suddenly people's faces light up. Like what? Like, you know, what's, what's your podcast about? It's about accounting. That's why we're here. You know, like, But you still get doors open for you just because people know what a podcast is. In a way, podcast is a new way for people to get famous, right? So if you invite someone to the podcast, oh, they think I'm important. I, I better devote my time or donate my time to this cause, right? Oh my gosh. I've seen memes that make me cringe because I am a podcast host now that it's like everyone and their sister has a podcast now and it makes me feel inferior and like an imposter in the podcast space, you know? People like Jimmy Fallon or uh, uh, Stephen Colbert, they could, you know, all these celebrities, they can just add to their brand a podcast and it's like fairly low effort, very little work for them to produce one, you know, but you know what? It's still good for the masses too. It's still great for people, uh, you know, aspiring in their career because even though we have 2 million podcasts uh, today uh, in the marketplace, there's still a thousand listeners that want to listen to yours. You, what's your niche? What's your topic? What do you want to talk about? Is it work related? Is it passion related? Is it something that interests you? You bring you to the show and people love it. Yeah. And this is exactly what my podcast is about. It's Cham of the Plan, which is my company name as well, but it's to help professionals that are stuck in their current like career, give them some options on how to pivot their career to more prosperity, right? So that's exactly the type of topic that I'm trying to promote. And that is a great segue into what I want to discuss with you, Justin, is professionals that 
might not have considered Salesforce as a career. So for people who have very limited knowledge or even no knowledge at all about Salesforce, can you tell me more about Salesforce in terms of how it's integrated in a lot of businesses today? Absolutely. And I'm just recognizing the the kind of irony is we met as because of my podcast, Career Cloud Radio. But what might be kind of unknown to people listening is I have a day job, 40 hours a week. I'm a Salesforce administrator working in technology. And I just had an interest in podcasts too, you know, three, four years ago. And so that's why I started that. But, you know, without going into the, the history of the show and instead answering your question, Salesforce administration is my career path, but Salesforce as a technology is a platform and an ecosystem. So there's a lot going on there when you just mentioned the word Salesforce. And it's unfortunately poor branding, you know, from 15 years ago, because sales was the first word and force is, you know, referring to an army of people, you know, kind of thing. And so a lot of people hear the word Salesforce and they immediately think this is for sales teams. No, actually it's not. It's a customer relationship management. CRM is their ticker symbol on the stock exchange. CRM, customer relationship management. So it's essentially a database tool. Now, most people listening will be like, I didn't think I could work in databases. What are you talking about? Oh, another guy wants to say break into tech, right? No, 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 no. It's the software you use in a call center. It's the software you log into when you're a front desk person. It's the software you log into when you handle support tickets in a help desk. Like I'm now the administrator helping make that software work better for those teams of people. And so now CRM or customer relationship management software is in almost every industry. It's got Salesforce, the company has 25% of the market for this type of software. And they are projecting 4 million new jobs that don't exist today over the next three years in this industry. Okay. And you said Salesforce right now has 25% of the uh, CRM market share, right? So there's also the 75% of the market that is not belonging to Salesforce. So why should someone invest a lot of money and time into Salesforce when there's other options out there? It's a great question. So just to list some of them, that would be like Microsoft uh, Dynamics is another competitor to Salesforce. I've heard Copper, which might be like out of some Google execs that made that one. HubSpot comes to mind. And uh, there's a lot of other competitor names, but I've focused my career in Salesforce, so I actually am not very good at listing them. The point is, you're right. The, the, the principles of you know managing the database behind a CRM absolutely have other competitors. The reason I like Salesforce is because about, I want to say seven, eight years ago, Salesforce looked at their client list and looked at the challenges facing them. And they realized, you know what problem they have? They buy our software, but then who works on it? Who's their administrator team? Who's their developer team that's improving the software to work for their business, their Salesforce's clients? And so what they did is they built a training ground, uh, you know, education platform that's free, completely free for anyone in the world to start learning how to administrate their software. And this is unheard of in the tech space because you can you can work in a, a different career path. Adobe, web analytics software. Companies spend millions of dollars a year. Best Buy has a $10 million team working on Adobe web analytics, right? But you know how you learn that software? It ain't free. 
you got to go to $5,000 courses in another city and spend a week and get some certification tests. And, you know, your employer pretty much has to give you a login to a tool like that. And same thing with a lot of other tools in tech. So it's pretty unique that a tech giant like Salesforce put their training out for free. So that link, guys, by the way, is trailhead.salesforce.com. Trailhead, like you're going on a hike, .salesforce.com. That's actually a good point in terms of the, the CRM field is that they're willing to give their training for free. I'm assuming compared to other CRMs where the it's not as easy to use. So it's more difficult to actually learn it. And a lot of big companies actually use Salesforce compared to other CRMs because they just have more capacity to work with bigger companies. So if you do get a Salesforce certification, you actually have more potential in working at a big company. Is that correct? We do have clients that are both big and small. Um, in fact, Salesforce has a really great pricing plan for like nonprofits. So I think I heard the CEO say something like 47,000 nonprofits are using Salesforce right now at a you know, very reduced rate uh, or fee. So you know, it helps them. It's one of the ways they give back. But mid-sized companies use Salesforce and then, of course, Fortune 500. The, the, different, the needs in each sector are a little different, though, of course. So like I've heard in the market that a lot of people consider Salesforce to be an expensive tool. You know, paying for the licenses and the seats, you know, can really add up quickly. Um, in fact, the employer I use or, or I work for, I think we spent like a couple million, you know, or something like that on just, just getting all of our licenses. So it's not a small purchase for some of these big firms, but what, what makes the difference, I think is when you're working or choosing a vendor and you choose one that has so much of the market is you have talent. To, and that's one of the biggest bottlenecks in IT teams is keeping the talent pool filled, right? Because if somebody needs to leave or gets a better offer somewhere else, who are they going to replace them with? And it's a, it's an ever-growing problem for the last 15 years. And so it's, when you pick your tool aligned with one of the biggest players in the market, you're also picking their talent pool, you know, so larger candidate pool. And so as you need to keep backfilling people that leave and get better offers – You've got somewhere to tap into. Let, let me draw a comparison for you. I used to work in another technology tool called Redpoint. Uh, not, this show is not about that tool. I'm not making a recommendation for it or, or going against it. I, I actually really miss some of the features of it. It was kind of fun. But I worked in it for four years. I got this skill. I still get messages from recruiters about that skill and because there's like, 4,000 people in the world who've learned that tool because there were a smaller company, smaller uh, technology firm that did that type of work called ETL. And I still get these messages. Hey, do you, we'll pay a hundred dollars an hour to work in Redpoint. And you know what I tell them? No, thanks. Even though that would like double my salary. It's, it's cause I don't want to leave the community around Salesforce. Those candidates have formed a community of people that we talk to each other regularly and share ideas and help each other learn. And that community around Salesforce is the secret sauce. It's not the certifications. It's not the free trailhead that I just told you about a moment ago. It's actually the community. So even though, again, Salesforce only has 25% of the market, it is a big market 
share compared to other companies. So other companies might have like 5% each to make up the 75, but Salesforce still has the majority of it. And That's then correct. you also have the fact that you have a big community as well as it's very hard to find like good Salesforce people. So you, you do have a skill that will be future proof for years to come, right? Well, it, it's interesting. Something just popped into place when you asked that question that I hadn't realized until now. So thank you. Um, any tech firm that makes a new product likes to disrupt, right? And one of the things that disruptors fear the most is who's going to copy my disruption and do it better than me. And that's really scary, you know, because, you know, a, a tech behemoth like Salesforce, who's got code that's 15 years old now that's still in place in production you know some some startup might be able to code a better crm and not have all that technology debt right and so why does salesforce keep its strength how does salesforce stay ahead of that the community is the secret sauce because you can't replicate that community in six months you can't replicate that that family feel that the the employees and the workers that are like myself, administrators and developers and business analysts that are talking to each other on a regular basis in, in Facebook groups on LinkedIn groups and Saturday meetups and stuff like that's not as easily replicated as 500 lines of code. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. A community very hard to replicate. Uh, yeah. I 100% agree with that. So going back to what you said about how the Salesforce program called Trailhead, that's what they call it, right? That's the free one, yeah. Is the certifications also free or is the training free, but you have to take a certification test that you have to pay for? Great. Yeah. So I see where you're going with certifications. Yeah. So people breaking into this career path or maybe thinking about pivoting out of something that they got stuck in, you know, one of the first steps you're going to want to do is get a certification. And so those are not free. Those are an exam uh, proctored and administrator administrated by um, various places around the country. And uh, with the uh, COVID-19 pandemic in 2020, they definitely released a restriction to make sure you had to do it in person or have like three webcams or something like that to take your test at home. Like it, there was quite a quite a process to try to even take it at home, just be, you know to try to keep the quality of the test high, you know, and make sure that it, it means something when people get certified and people can't cheat on it, right? That Those exams are going to cost, start about $200. Some of the more advanced exams, uh, when you're 10 years in the industry, might be a little bit more money than $200. I haven't gotten that far, guys. Like, there's something like 22 to 25 various certifications now in the ecosystem, you know, all the way up to architects, you know, it's like four levels of architect. Less than 2% of all Salesforce professionals uh, um, ever make it to that architect level. But a lot of us get that first one, Salesforce Administrator Certified. And a really common second certification is uh, Platform Developer or Platform App Builder, uh, depending where your interests lie. And those first two, they're only a couple hundred dollars. The thing is, Trailhead is free because you got to got to outlast your own learning curve. You know, you, you, it's really difficult to, you know, take a hundred hours of trails and training modules online and then take an exam and pass it. It's a very difficult exam the first time. And some people just take it first time just for practice and then come back two weeks later and ace it, you know, that kind of thing. It's a strategy too. It just costs you more money. <laughs> um, but uh, if you, if you, 
you know, were to go hike a mountain and get 25% of the way up the mountain, see some nice sights, sniff some flowers, you know, sit on a bench, look over the, the bluff, you might still consider that a good hike. You know, that was a great day. I'm just going to head back down the mountain, right? Well, that, that's what I think certification is like, is you got to keep hiking. You got to keep being interested in what you're learning in Trailhead. And if, if you find yourself enjoying some of the gamification and earning fake internet points, I call them, because I'm, I'm also an Imgur user, that's what we call them there. But um, if, if you enjoy getting some fake internet points to, to measure your progress, then keep on keeping on, keep going. And maybe towards the top of that mountain, you're getting some certifications now. And then you're starting to get some recruiter calls. And now you're starting to get some attention on you. See, I want to go there, Max. That, that, that was a big difference maker for me about five years ago when I left my career. Um, I, I pivoted out into this space mid-career. I had done 22 other jobs, you know, sales mostly. Um, I was an analyst at Best Buy at one point. Uh, gosh, at one point I was selling vacuums. You know, like I've, I've done the gambit of things, right? And so I, meet, I, I make it to this midpoint of my career and I'm like, what's this all for? This isn't going anywhere. I'm not developing a great resume. I'm just kind of trying to keep my car payment, right? And when Salesforce entered the scene for me, like, I think I almost missed it the first time. It wasn't until I, 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 got my, I got my first job out of college and I was a returning student to college. It was working at this nonprofit, um, the, the same, you know, the PBS affiliate for Minnesota. So like the same place that makes Sesame Street and stuff. It's just the Minnesota branch of it. And um, that's when I got my first login. And in, in, the, in the Salesforce community, we call it being an accidental administrator. I had administrative access, but I didn't know a darn thing. And so that opportunity is unique, but not the only way in, right? Like you can go hike the trail, get 25% up the, up the mountain and decide, why don't I keep going? And that, and that's really kind of wanna, why I wanted to come on your show is to encourage people to look at this as an opportunity because the barriers to entry are so low. I definitely agree with what you said. Again, Trailhead is free training from Salesforce and the certification is only a couple hundred dollars to start to be certified at the base level. And even just getting certified at the base level, you tend to open more opportunities after. When I was a salesperson, I wasn't getting called by recruiters. When I was uh, you know, selling vacuums, my phone wasn't ringing with, hey, could you come work for us too? Instead, you know, like that didn't happen until Salesforce certified administrator appeared on my my resume on LinkedIn. And then I started getting phone calls. Now, some people listening to this might be like, Justin, I got certified and I'm not getting phone calls. Well, there's other things that you probably talk about on your show, Max, you know, branding yourself on LinkedIn, making sure you're networking and stuff. Those all still apply. But when you get them working for you, in it, it, it's like momentum, right? I recently had Ian Siegel, Zip, Zip Recruiter CEO, on my podcast, and he, he coined something I'd never heard before. And of course, he gave credit to somebody else that he had heard it from or read it, read it from. So I don't know that, that third degree reference here, but he called it the new, new collar jobs. And 
he was referring to this this the way recruiters are searching for things now in the last few years seems to be around one single skill. If you have that skill, you're popping in a search result and they're calling anyone that pops that search result because there's still a numbers game of who's going to pick up the phone and who's going to be willing to you know talk to a recruiter and sit down for an interview and or a phone screen or something like that. They still got to play that numbers game later. But people aren't even getting that far in the new market here with these new collar jobs unless they have at least that one skill. And I'm here to tell people Salesforce certified administrator is that one skill. You're, you're putting a lot of your eggs in that basket, Justin, by saying that. Yeah, challenge me on that. Go ahead. Uh, I can't. I can't challenge you on that because uh, I'll tell you a quick story. Uh, one of the clients I worked with when I first started my business, I helped her optimize her profile and she wasn't really getting a lot of hits. She was a marketer, but then she ended up taking a few LinkedIn courses, LinkedIn learning courses on Salesforce. And as soon as she got those certifications or those badges of completing those courses, and then she also added Salesforce in her profile somewhere, she ended up starting to get calls about Salesforce. She didn't end up taking any of those, but the fact that as soon as she completed a few Salesforce LinkedIn courses and then put Salesforce in her profile somewhere, she ended up getting more traction. So I, I can't really disagree with what you said. I, I can agree more just based off my own personal experience working with the client. No, it's a great story. Uh, here's, here's what that inspires though. Um, you're, when you say all the eggs in basket, I think what you're, you're kind of the subtext there is you're saying, you know, Justin, I'm really telling everyone can be an admin. That's a great thing to rebut because I, I agree. It's, it, that would be a little bold of me to think everyone in the world, welcome to be in an admin. Yeah, no, no. That's why I talked about the ecosystem. There is so many other things. There's marketing tools. There's business analysis where you interface with the stakeholders and understand what their requirements are and their needs. That's that's really talking based. And then there's sales jobs in Salesforce too, you know. And then back to you, you the moment when you said in, that, in your story, Max, that you know she didn't really follow up on some of those leads. Like that's interesting to me because this skill adds value to any resume. I don't care what industry you're in, what if you've chosen to go into UX or if you go want to become a product owner or something, I don't care what industry you've chosen for yourself because it fits you and your personality. If you add Salesforce to your resume because you've earned some badges, like you said, or completed some trainings on it, employers are going to notice you. You're going to move up in the pile, right? And that is huge in today's job economy. Absolutely. And just to go back to one of the points you made in terms of what certification someone that wants to get into Salesforce start with, it's obviously the Salesforce administration uh, administrator pathway. So can you just tell us more about how many hours does it take to learn the program, study it, and then how would you prepare for the exam? Yeah, you got, I think you really got to get hands on in those trails and the, the, this maybe is something I'm kind of glossed over. This isn't just training modules where you watch a video or read some pages. That's in there. Don't get me wrong. It's still training. You have some of that. But what makes this program or uh, what Trailhead so unique is they actually have click button. Instantly, you're into a Salesforce fake org that's just spun up instantly, just enough to learn the lesson they're teaching you. So these things kind of disappear if you stop for the night or don't need to uh, finish where, where you left off on that particular trail. Or maybe you're doing a more complex trail and they do persist if you want to keep that one open longer 
and continue to progress and make changes on that same one, they will let, keep persisting as long as you log in once a year. But um, that's really unique to just spin up out of nothingness an org with actual changes that can be configured. And, and, and that's, I think, kind of, kind of special. Uh, so you got to get hands-on is what I've noticed because I've talked to a lot of people that are good test takers, but they struggle with the certification exam. Maybe they did really well in school tests and high school and college and stuff, but then they're really struggling with this one. They've done a good job of writing a hard test, right? And I think what really breaks you through with that is to take individual concepts from the study guides, and they have those as well, and don't just read it and move on because you're reading tonight. Like, read one new thing, and if that's a new thing and you're like, oh, I, I think I, I understand that. Stop reading and go find one of these trailhead uh, playgrounds, they're called, and do it. Make Turn it into hands-on, right? And some trails help you do that for you, but there's other concepts that might be a little bit more uh, conceptual that you want to just kind of, that's why they call it a playground. That's why you want to play in that and, and, and come up with that example. Um, not to get too technical on people, like, but a great example of that is the visibility of records is uh, very customizable in the platform. So I can have a team of people working on some account records, but I want to have the manager see records differently than somebody who's like a support person on the team and different than another person on the team. Like there's a lot of ways I can configure that. That's a really great opportunity to get hands on. Spend two nights just playing around with who sees what. That, that, that might not be uh, much more than a couple paragraphs in a trailhead, but you could turn it into two nights of learning. And the one thing you mentioned is where a lot of um, exams don't offer this or education courses offer is that they actually give you like a mock, a database that you can play around with. A lot of the exams are just reading material and then answering some multiple choice questions, but the fact that they actually want you to apply what you've learned in these modules is, is something that a lot of educational courses for regards of what software you're trying to learn, it, it's, it's definitely rare out there. Right. And so that's one of the, the evolutions we're seeing happening right now is a lot of people um, who have some trailhead badges and some trailhead points are trying to get jobs and they're struggling a little bit. And that's because trailhead was designed for the person exploring that hiker I told you about earlier not that not and we use it as professionals in the industry because we still need to refresh and keep our skills up to date too but like if you're a job seeker and that's all you have it, it's a diff, more difficult hike because those trails are step-by-step -step instructions they literally told you what to click literally every step of the way and real on the job experience is you kind of have to uncover which way to go. The, the trail is not trodden yet. You, you might have to pioneer a new path or creatively apply what you've learned to a, a problem, right? And so what's what's new in the, in, in the ecosystem in the last couple of years is something called super badges. And what these are is Salesforce has put together uh, several of them where they take about 20, 25 hours of work just to complete a super badge. And a lot of times they leave pieces out on purpose. Like they don't give you the step-by-step -step this time. They say, here's our requirements, build this object that does this or add these new fields that allow me to track this, but you have to finish the rest, fill the rest in and hope that it's enough to pass the super badge to get the credit for that. 
So now what we see is a lot of job seekers are now putting their super badges on their LinkedIn profile and other places it, because it better demonstrates that they've learned these concepts because they weren't handheld to get to the finish line and earn that, that super badge. How much time should someone devote into learning the concepts in the modules before taking the actual exam for the Salesforce administrator certification? Right back to that one. Uh, I don't know that answer. Because everyone learns differently and everyone learns with a different quality in mind. I mean, if you've got to fit your learning in between, you know, cooking dinner and mowing the lawn and, you know, taking care of the household, like people do it and they get it done, you know, but their learning capacity or hours are disjointed and very different. And they, they have to work through that. Right. And then there's other people that, you know, got laid off last March and, have studied for three, four months and get their certification done in the first 45 days and have a job offer 45 days later. But I can't promise that for everyone, right? It, it's about how fast you learn and how many hours you dedicate to it. But I will tell you this, if you can set aside 25 to 30 minutes per night in the Salesforce trailhead and you're enjoying it and you're learning from it, probably about five to six months. Because I remember, I'm starting at the lowest possible amount of time, maybe 25 minutes, right? What is that math? I, it's probably somewhere between 40 and 100 hours, you know, depending on the quality of that time, right? I bet you you could pass the exam six months with just 25 minutes per night. Does that make sense? Yeah. That, yeah. Again, it, it really depends on someone's current lifestyle and how much they can devote, right? So obviously, if you're very busy, and you can only allow 25 minutes. Hey, 25 minutes daily is better than trying to cram everything in a couple of weeks. And I'm assuming you can't go back to your university college days where you cram an exam two, two days before and then try to write it. That This will definitely not work with Salesforce, right? No. And, you know, if you have trouble installing an app on your phone, you know, Salesforce might be daunting, you know. But if you know your way around Microsoft Excel and, and understand a spreadsheet in a grid format, I mean, the back end of Salesforce is basically rows and columns. Like you're going to, you might learn faster is my point if you understand Microsoft Excel. But in between, I've met a lot of people. Like I, I know somebody who is very qualified right now for his next position and he's currently a truck driver, right? He's going to, he's going to be great at this. I, I have no doubt after talking to him. I know another person who used to work on private yachts. And she's uh, just accepted her offer for, you know, being a business analyst now, and she got her certification. But I'm thinking of Tony and um, Christian, two people I worked with at the very beginning of 2020, right as all this, you know, everything like, felt like the whole world shifted, right? They got certified and job offers in about four months, which is really fast, really fast to come out of a completely different industry with zero experience in land a job offer. I don't know if Salesforce is right for you, but I also don't know another platform, software, or tech space that you can break into in less than four months. This actually brings up a good question. So you talked about like the truck driver transitioning into Salesforce. So one of the things that people always debate about is I have this education, but I don't have the experience. So how would you put Salesforce education on the resume to make you stand out, right? Because for example, like I graduated with a 
investors in business, but I have no experience. So you're going to be less likely to be looked at compared to someone with experience. So does that play a role in this or is it more about, okay, this person's Salesforce certified, doesn't matter? All right. Great question, because you're getting at the heart of what I've become in 2021. Because now what I've done this year is sit down with these job seekers as they're coming out of this program. Uh, the career development program put together by Talent Stacker. Talent Stacker is a podcast that was in, big in the financial independence space, and they decided to connect up with this person, Bradley Rice, who was a Salesforce administrator working part-time, and he's one of the highest paid administrators in the entire world. And they sat down with him on the podcast, Then after the show, they're like, that was incredible. I didn't know this was out there. People need to add this talent to their stack maybe we should put together a course for people to learn what you do. And he's got over 200 students now in this program. And I reached out to him in the end of 2020 and said, I see what you're doing. This is brilliant. You, you are solving the experience gap because you can go find other Salesforce courses. I, I would recommend Mike Wheeler's course. I would recommend Ryan Scal's course. And there's, there's others out there. But what I liked about Bradley's was he took head on that experience challenge by saying at the end of the program, about two months, two or three months in, you're assigned a volunteer project and you work on it in a small group. Yeah, it's like college again, you know, you and four other people, let's build it, right? But he does that kind of super badge approach again, where he says, here's some requirements. You're going to decide how to build it. You're going to demo it to us as if we're the client. And we're going to evaluate it to help you have some feedback and, and, and start to have those experiences. And here's me. I come in at the end after they get through all this stuff. And I'm the mock interview coach. And I help them prepare those narratives when they sit down in the interview chair so that they can explain how they don't have experience, but they're still qualified, right? And here's what I've learned after doing this. We don't have a problem with the technology and proving that, proving you know the tech side. People have a problem communicating that they know it. They have a problem communicating that they've been in a circumstance that is similar and bridging that communication gap, connecting the dots for the hiring team on how it's similar. Right. And so I, I think of a student named Fasabi who, um, he was a math teacher before and he has a master's degree, but he's still brand new to the Salesforce space. And one of the breakthroughs we found with him was like talking about how teaching math is, is kind of the students to them. It's kind of foreign to them, right? They, we've all struggled with a math course, right? And he has to break through that knowledge gap frequently to help them pass math, math exams. And he said, that's very similar. You know, so I we, we, his breakthrough was we learned how to kind of translate that into a job interview for Salesforce and saying like, users are very confused by the Salesforce platform. The people we support in those call centers, some of them come in and they've never clicked around and navigated. Part of my job as an admin is to help them with something that seems very foreign to them as well. And, and so we improved that message and worked on that. And that was a huge breakthrough for his job interview to be able to bridge that gap and connect those dots between what he did and what he's going to be doing as a Salesforce administrator. 
And so getting volunteer projects is one step. Another thing that people over underestimate in this space is remember those playgrounds? There's a reason I brought them up. You can try just about anything and then have a job interview story to talk about it. I know people that are planning out their gardens in a Salesforce org now and putting in records based on what plants they're going to plant. I know people that are like building programs to help their daycare and play dates, you know, in their neighborhood just to figure out who's going to, who, who, who's in their pod and has gotten vaccinated and stuff like that. Like it's very creative, actually. You can figure out what you want to record in a Salesforce development org that you just have for free to practice and learn your skills. And it's real. It's it's a functioning CRM for what might be just something you're doing around the house. Like I could plug in my Magic the Gathering cards. All right, sorry, I turned and looked at them. So if that did something weird with the audio, but like I, like, I could plug those into a database or... Uh, um, it, there, I just, I, I, there's so many ideas. What coffees you like? Maybe you start a brewery tour and you start liking different beers. You could start plugging that into a CRM. Oh, sure. You could go to the app, app store on iTunes and download an app that somebody else has already done that. But here's the funny thing. It might be Salesforce behind that app. So why not build it yourself and learn a new skill? Exactly. And just to touch quickly upon the communication gap in interviews, what's the difference between a Salesforce interview or a Salesforce focus interview compared to a standard interview one would get? What do you mean by a standard interview? The standard interview would be like this usual behavioral questions. If you're like, for example, marketing, you might have to do like a quick assignment. So yeah, so let's say I've, I've done interviews before. I usually do like a one hour behavioral interview and then I might have to do like an assignment after or before. I might have to do a presentation depending on the interview. So how is that different than a Salesforce focused interview? That That's really fascinating to me. Um, what you described does happen, but they're extremely rare actually. So I think your question reveals a myth that I want to bust right now for people. If you get an interview, your resume already qualified you for the skill sets. I'm going to repeat that because this is a really big breakthrough for me too as a coach to realize this. When you get an interview, you've already been qualified on your resume to get in that seat. And so what your job is in the job interview is to convince them that you can solve their problem and that you're going to be a great teammate. It doesn't require the technical Nine times out of 10, what they're really worried about is avoiding the red flags, avoiding, you know, that you're going to be one of those teammates that's, you know, microwaving fish in the break room, you know, but now we're all back home. So that's not a job interview question anymore. No, it never was. The point is they're not different, man. They're not different at all. It's still behavioral based questions. It's still, you know, tell me about a time and, um, you know, trying to, you, well, you and our, our episode was about those negative questions, actually. So it's a great episode, great plug for career cloud. Yeah, great, great flashback. <laughs> <laughs> great flashback. Like we had an amazing episode about the questions designed to make you go negative, right? But those are a big part of any interview, including Salesforce, because what they want to find out is who you are. They want to find out what kind of coworker you're going to be when the stakes are high and the pressure's on. Right. And that doesn't come from asking you a technical question about whether whether or not these case records are visible to two teams and what feature of Salesforce security data model they're going to use to protect that data. Sure, they could do that. 
And sometimes a question like that appears in a phone screen. But if you've passed the exam, you've got an answer for that. And it's a technical right or wrong answer. But here's what I coach people on. You can get through those with the wrong answer too. Because you have a tone of voice and an approach and you'd communicate to that hiring team how you would approach the problem, not whether or not you have the right answer yet. That's what they really want to understand how you're going to be, right? So you get hit with a technical question. You'd be like, well, you know, I've never had to deal with security of encryption data models yet, but, uh, you know, encrypted data with the Shield data product. But um, here's how I'd approach that. I would look at the fields we have on each object, and I would probably start by classifying them and figuring out which ones are sensitive data and which ones are, you know, safe data that doesn't really matter. And that sensitive data, I'd look at it a little bit closer, maybe further classify it as, you know, personally identifiable information and uh, data that might be health data, you know, or um, other data that's like, you know, darn near classified, right? But whatever that is, I'd build this classification model using the features Salesforce already has out of the box. And then I would look at the Shield security tool to see if that is going to provide the necessary level of encryption. And then we can apply that encryption to it. But keep in mind, in my approach, one of the things I want to consider is what people need to do with those fields. Because Salesforce encryption can impact you know, list views and reports and how people can interact with that data now in some of the other features. So I'm not really sure the answer to your question, but uh, at least there, now you know how I'd approach it. You know, so, so what I was demonstrating there is I know a little bit about encryption, but I definitely don't know the answer to the question, whatever they might have asked me there. But I'm hoping I was showing, you know, as a quick illustration to people listening, like how you answer can be more important than getting the right answer. Yeah. And that's actually a great mindset to have when you get in through your resume, they already know you're qualified for the job. It's whether you're the right culture fit for the job. Right. Absolutely right. And I want to, uh, end this interview with one final question that everybody wants to know. When you graduate with a Salesforce administrator certification and you get that job, what's the starting salaries like and how much potential can you make once you start getting the years of experience under your belt from being a Salesforce administrator? This is one of my favorite answers. Sorry for the big sigh. It's just because I wish I could talk at length about just the salaries because they're so exciting. Let's boil it down. Less than one year experience, coming into it brand new, freshers, as we call, as some people call themselves, uh, you're probably looking at getting those volunteer experiences unpaid. And then your second or third volunteer project, you should probably start charging for those at $25 to $45 per hour. But they're projects. You know, you might work for a couple weeks, might maybe six weeks at most, right? And that's just to get enough job interview stories to land that next job offer for salary. That salary will probably start around sixty to sixty-five thousand. That's a national average. Some people are super willing to get uh, that first-year experience, and I'll tell you why in a moment. That they would even accept forty to fifty thousand dollars per year for their first Salesforce administrator job. Maybe it's a small nonprofit or um, really small business, you know. So that's why the salaries are a little lower than what Fortune five hundred can offer, right? So anyway, you're looking somewhere between 45 and 65 for that first job, first year. But here's what changes. Now you have a year, let's fast forward. Now you have six months to one year experience in the platform at, through an employer. 
Now you've got more than certifications. You've got on the, on the ground experience, right? Your salaries and those recruiters calling you, what they'll be offering in their salary range is jumps up to about seventy-five dollars to $95,000 per hour year one. Then as you approach two and three years experience in the Salesforce platform, now reminder, a lot of people at this point, a lot of candidates probably get their second certification by now, but it's not necessary. It's just kind of what happens around the three-year mark. They're probably looking to move up as well, maybe into a senior title. Instead of just an admin, you might become a senior admin or branch out and become a business analyst or senior business analyst, that kind of thing. So you're moving up now at this point, but you're probably going to leave your employer and go to the next employer to get that title change. That will jump you up between $85,000 and $110,000. I want to pause here and say already we've broke six figures, so that's kind of surprising. A lot of people get comfortable in this three to five year range. Maybe they stay at 80,000 longer just because they're paying their bills and they're very comfortable, right? Like that's fine too. But those ambitious people, the people are really trying to maybe quickly earn back a a salary they used to make in a different industry, or maybe they want to have somebody stay at home instead of two people working. Whatever the reason, if you're really ambitious in five years or less, you can definitely get uh, above that six figure range and veterans in this, uh, veterans, not military, but uh, I mean, veterans of the platform now with five years experience or more, they can start to command $125,000 per year if they're willing to leave their current employer and go to consulting or go to, um, probably like fortune 100, fortune 1000 kind of range. And you have to kind of work for the bigger corporate behemoths there then, but that's to start getting that $125,000 range. The salaries I just quoted you are national averages. They're heavily surveyed. Uh, Mason Frank is one of the leaders in collecting that survey data. Mason Frank has a bias because they are a recruitment firm. They obviously want those numbers to sound great. So I will admit there's a, a little bit of a reporting bias there. However, I work in the industry in Minnesota. And I've seen that those salaries actually pan out. So I don't question the salaries are right. I just question what happens in the middle there, that area where people get comfortable. That's what skews the data more than anything (laughs) is if you've got two household income, both making 80 to a hundred thousand dollars a year, it's kind of hard to stay ambitious. (laughs) Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. (laughs) Okay. So it's out there if you want it. But um, I, I see a lot of students graduating our career development program at TalentStack are getting $60,000, a year offers, and uh, it's more than they've made ever in their life, and they're super excited about what that means for their next five years. Yeah, Salesforce definitely seems like a great opportunity for people who are stuck in uh, their career path. So yeah, I really enjoy that you came on the show just to educate more people about Salesforce. Again, people might have heard of Salesforce, but they don't know the potential of what they can do with it once they get those certifications and actually work in Salesforce full time. So again, I, I appreciate you coming on. Can you tell us more about what you do in terms of like growing the Salesforce community and how can people find you online? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mentioned today Trailhead. Uh, We've got a five-day challenge for the Talent Stacker program that's free to kind of challenge you to go to Trailhead, log in, try your first trail, and and see if you like that space. To to go find that, you can go to 
I, I just have a bit.ly link because uh, I like to shorten the URL, but that's bit.ly and then all capital letters, SFCDP. And those are the letters for Salesforce Career Development Program. So that one more time, that's bit.ly. There's a forward slash, then capital letters, SFCDP. That'll get you into Trailhead and with some instructions on how to do that, a couple of videos and stuff. And then the Ohana, we call it, uh, kind of from Lilo and Stitch, I think, coined that. And we ne- we've hooked onto it and kept it for years. <laughs> the Ohana is the Salesforce community. Trailhead ha- can connect you into that community as well as local user groups in your scene, uh, in your area, and then a lot of Salesforce Saturdays. And then also Facebook group. Uh, check out Salesforce for everyone, the Facebook group. That's the one Bradley started. And uh, we got about 5,000 people there uh, learning some trails and, and talking about the platform and, and what, what's going on. Everything we've talked about today, we were talking about in that group every day. Um, so I really encourage you to connect into one of these communities, whether it be online or in your local area, and just start meeting people and asking them. You know, one of our favorite things is what do you do? <laughs> what are you working on? <laughs> Or if we get stuck on a problem, we might call our network and say, how did you deal with this? That was what I did a couple days ago. Sounds great. And to end this conversation off, what do you like about being a Salesforce administrator? And what should people expect once they start learning? I never feel alone. I really feel like I belong to something now. And I didn't feel that when I was selling vacuums or selling cable TV for Comcast. Like, we absolutely are a family. It's, it's a different thing to be connected around, you know, your work and, you know, a technology platform to say, you know, we're family, but I've seen it happen when somebody loses a job or somebody goes through something difficult, like the way the community will come around that person and say, no, here, let me help you with your resume. Let me help you with this. Or have you met so-and-so? That's something like that was only available to the wealthy before. I saw it happening every day in the Salesforce community and I've never felt richer. Wow. Those are some powerful words. Again, really appreciate your time and best of luck in building that Salesforce community. (laughs) You bet, man. Thanks for having me on the show to share. That was a fantastic discussion with Justin. He provided an overview of Salesforce, what you need to do to get in, and endless possibilities of career growth in Salesforce. And the best part of all, Salesforce training program Trailhead is absolutely free and the certification tests are affordable. In addition, Salesforce has a huge community of Salesforce experts that can really help elevate your skill set and really harness the power of Salesforce that it can do to help companies and also grow your career. So again, if you are currently at a career crossroads or you feel stuck in where you are in your career, definitely take a look at Salesforce. It might be the opportunity that you've been looking to dive into and become a more marketable professional. Again, this is Chan with The Plan The Podcast. I'm your host, Max Chan. If you found this episode helpful, I would really appreciate it if you share it with your friends and family to help support the show. I post new episodes every Tuesday on all popular podcast platforms. You can also connect with me on LinkedIn where I post daily content on topics such as career advice, job search tips, and personal branding. That's it for me, and I'll see you next time.